Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. Taking all of your great questions and uh, really appreciate them as always. Lots to uncover. And, you know, some of the questions you guys ask, hopefully we'll answer them some during this during the, uh, you know, the rest of the week because we do have more podcasts. The game preview we're going to do a little bit differently. So some of your questions about who we're excited to see in week 17 who can be helped the most in week 17. That's what we're going to be covering uh, in the game preview edition because the storylines, I mean, what are the storylines? The Chiefs are 14 and one. They're going to the super, or they're going to the playoffs. Well, they are going to the Super Bowl too, probably. Let's just be honest. There's there's not true storylines to cover, so we'll be doing things a little bit differently on the game preview edition later this week, but we are going to answer a lot of your questions and here to help me do that is my dear pal, Find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. What? No Maddie Lane today. We gave him the day off. If we, we had some scheduling stuff where me and Craig just wanted to knock it out early, and so we did. And <laughs> Maddie can go and, you know, Enjoy have, have a day, day off. Yeah. And he deserves it. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. No. Um, excited for all these questions. Excited to talk about your number one seed first round by having best team in the league Kansas City Chiefs make no mistake they are still the best team in the league I know everybody's trying to run them down this week because of a close game to the Falcons they're still the best team in the league y'all relax obviously like there's like a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth from that game and on it but it really wasn't reflected as much in the questions which I think is a good thing that's good because sometimes these wins can be toxic (laughs) <laughs> whereas like it's like okay like okay the packers have had four chances their mvp has lost four times already this season the chiefs fans only have, have one have only had to experience that once so sometimes these they're toxic wins and you know there's there's takes flying and all stuff there's really not a ton of negativity and concern about this football team which i think is kind of cool uh the questions were you know it wasn't why is ben even this, this you know it was it was different uh, so we got a lot of good questions this week, and we're going to jump right into them. The five-star review questions, if you like the show, like what's going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, leave a five-star review. They help us uh, get the word out, and uh, if you ask a question, we answer them. That's how we do it on this thing. So CrossBreakIt07 does that and says, what single moment this season gave you the most doubt in the Chiefs' ability to win a Super Bowl? For me, it was when David Carr tweeted to congratulate the Chiefs on winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's that's pretty great. I I mean, I haven't really had one. Like I've maintained all along that the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl, but if I had to pick 
an individual moment that sticks out in my mind right now. It's when Travis Kelsey came limping off the field against the Falcons. Like I immediately went into, you know, oh no, this is this is terrible because they absolutely need him if they're going to go the real, you know, the whole way here. But he looks to be okay, but that's probably the moment, just that brief period of time where I was like, uh-oh, this, this is, the, you know, the sky is falling basically. It has nothing to do with this team's performance, and I, but I 100% agree with you, Craig. I think it's more about circumstantial stuff. You know, it's I, obviously like this week it was really rough. Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey getting hurt. You know, Tyreek Hill's had the hamstring injury. It's if this team is peaking at the right time. Is this team going to be, uh, you know, full go, you know, as healthy as they possibly can be when the time comes? Obviously, securing everything last week, not having to play in week 17, getting the bye week, that all that is certainly going to help this football team and it makes you feel a lot confident. But, you know, we don't really know the severity of these injuries yet and we'll find out. We'll see, you know, what the outlook for some of these guys is, guys are, you know, because that's really the one thing I think that can really slow this team down is if some of their key players are, are dealing with some injuries. All right, APNerdSquad at gmail.com questions. Uh, if you don't have Twitter, you don't like the show, and you don't want to leave us a five-star review but still want to <laughs> get your questions in, we'll still take them. And if you reach out to apnerdsquad at gmail.com, uh, you can do that. Joe reached out for the first time. Shout out Joe. He said, hey, guys, my name is Joe, longtime listener, first time riding, hardcore Chiefs fan from South Dakota. Shout out South Dakota. Uh, he asks, we are starting to see that we should be addressing defensive, uh, defensive end, offensive line, or wide receiver with the first pick. However, if Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa were to reach us at pick 32, would you be tempted to pull the trigger? He could possibly solve two problems, play in the nickel and dime packages, replacing the beloved Ben Neiman, and potentially play that third safety role. I mean, I like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa as much as the next guy. I, we call him Jock around here, J-O-K. He's a guy that is a dynamic player. He's on the lighter side. He definitely fits that dime linebacker role. I don't think that he's heavy enough to probably be one of the base or nickel guys. Spagnuolo is trended heavier, especially with Willie Gay, a big dude. But he's got that athleticism. The problem with that is that he's probably only playing... 30 to 40% of the snaps on any given play. He could maybe rotate into that safety role, but you're never really going to rotate him deep. You probably don't want him kicking down in the slot in man. Those are things that Spagnuolo likes his safeties to do. And then, so you're, you're really talking about a limited role, a one that's needed for this defense. But if I'm spinning a pick at 32, I'm going to want a guy like an offensive tackle, like an interior offensive lineman, you know, defensive end, wide receiver, these positions that you are discussing right here. I think that I want a guy that's going to be a targeted fix for those positions rather than trying to find that dime linebacker role that clearly the Chiefs have, you know, skated by with. And Ben Neiman was the Super Bowl dime linebacker last year. As much as we're dunking on him this year, he was the guy in that role last year, and they did just fine with him. So I think that that's probably a little too pricey for my taste, even though I like the player. Chris reaches out on the APNerdSquad at gmail.com account, says, Craig, I've heard you say a couple times that a big part of the Chiefs' fourth quarter struggles come when Spag switches to the dime and teams just march down the field. Just curious, what would you do differently with the current personnel? 
I think we've talked about it a little bit. We'd replace Ben Neiman with Anthony Hitchens because Ben Neiman just has a limited number of calls for the dime defense. And when teams are in hurry up against that dime defense, he's just not able to spit things out, make the adjustments quickly before the snaps. It's difficult for anybody to do, let alone a player that just has a limited play calling background. You know, he's only doing it in the dime. You put Anthony Hitchens in there, Maybe he sees some stuff up front in the protection scheme. Maybe he sees ways that he can navigate that four-man rush that they tend to lean on. Maybe he can call some more of the trap coverages on the back end, work with Tyron Matthew, because we've seen how those guys work together really, really well. I just think that that's more of what it is. I don't think that the way that they implement it is necessarily bad. There's just some execution errors. And when they're going to that role, they're playing a lot of two deep safeties, Given a lot un- away underneath, especially in the middle of the field between Dan Swanson and Ben Neiman, maybe you get Anthony Hitchens to maybe make a shift, take some of that stuff away when he sees stuff progressing, because we know how quick he is to make those changes when he's in the base in the nickel. All right, time for the Twitter questions. Kay Gumminger asks, you get to ask Brett Veach one question about the current roster construction. What do you ask? I ask him, how dare you? No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have questions about some of the positions that he's stocked up on. Tight end is the one that I really have a lot of questions about. It seems like the Chiefs are carrying, I mean, the Chiefs are definitely carrying four tight ends this season, and it's they've not really done a good job at fleshing out some of the other places of depth. Now, this season's different. I can call guys up, but I have a lot of questions about why they're carrying all four why they're not playing, why they're not rotating some of these guys in. Why has Ricky Seals-Jones been inactive for the majority of the year? And, you know, when they brought guys in and cut other guys like a Tedrick Thompson, why did that move get made over some other guys that frankly aren't playing? Five words. Why is Ricky Seals-Jones? <laughs> Question mark. I don't understand. And, I mean, this is going to be really interesting this last week here. DeAndre Baker has been elevated twice, I believe, to secure club control for him. Just guarantee it, he's got to be on the active roster at the end of this week uh, because he's been elevated twice. So if you know if if DeAndre Baker doesn't replace Ricky Seals Jones, I'm gonna have a lot of questions because, and maybe it's just that DeAndre Baker hasn't shown enough to to earn that opportunity. That very well could be the case. But also, why is Ricky Sills-Jones? Kyle Richardson, with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz both under contract next year, do you consider kicking one inside and replacing them with Lucas Niang? Also, along with that and getting Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back, that could potentially shore up the offensive line, right? Well, I don't know if Mitchell Schwartz is going to play football again. I don't think we have any level of confidence. Um, the move also, but here's the thing. If the if the move is to move one of those guys inside, you're moving Lucas Niang inside instead of Fisher or Schwartz. You're keeping your bookends. Uh, uh, an offensive line of Fisher, Schwartz, Niang, LDT, and somebody at center is undoubtedly an improved offensive line. Now, that's not to say that Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was particularly great last year. He's just better than whatever they've been putting along the interior this year. <laughs> Lucas Niang has a lot of talent, and I believe him to be a good football player. I would prefer them to develop him at tackle. However, talent along the interior offensive line, too, if, 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 if you want to throw him there. And that offensive line is good. 
Martinez Rankin, I'm not out on Martinez Rankin yet either, by the way. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I I am fine. I, I'm with Kent here. I don't think that Mitchell Schwartz is going to play football next year. I don't think that it's even a Chiefs thing. I think that, you know, somebody that's been out this long with a back injury and per Sam Bellinger saying that the Chiefs maybe aren't optimistic about him being back for the playoffs. That tells me that that back is done. Like, if he can't get in there this season, a full year of rest may make him feel a little bit better, but at some point it's going to flare back up. If you're the Chiefs, you can't count on that. You know, you can't count on him being able to come back for a few games here and there next season. So I think it's time to move on. Put Lucas Niang at that right tackle position. That's where he played at TCU. He's very good at it. He He's going to be healthier recovering from his hip injury after his opt-out year. Martinez Rankin and LDT and a center of your choosing, like Kent said, is a massive upgrade. And I think that Eric Fisher is going to be just fine with a little help there. Sign Colegio Simile back. And then, you know, draft an offensive center. Draft Landon Dickerson early and just have a mean, mean, because LDT is a stirrer as well, a mean interior offensive line that can just move some bodies. I'm here for it. I think this offensive line is going to get better quick next year. Mm -hmm. I think there are some small tweaks that they can make. And and any level of investment in the first or second round, this could be. This could this could almost be the kind of offensive line that Aaron Rodgers gets to sit behind and throw to the flat all the time with. Left hand Ryan, each of you get to be Andy Reid. How do you approach week 17? Sit, play, or snap count? Do Mahomes and Kelsey convince you to let them have a half to try to get Kelsey as many yards as possible to finish number one in receiving yards? I'm taking uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's car keys away and setting their clocks back so they don't even think it's Sunday if they're trying to do that. Like, I'm not allowing them anywhere near the building because they get hurt. Your Super Bowl season is potentially evaporating. I, I don't think that there's any way that these guys play. I know Andy's being coy right now, but Andy always does this. We're going to get to like Friday and he's going to start chuckling about it and kind of let it slip that Chad Henney will probably start on Sunday. And that's the indication you need that guys like Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes, these guys, they're just all going to sit. Don't get them hurt. Make sure the key guys are there for the playoffs. You need your studs. You need the guys that make this team go. Don't chase, you know, uh, a record, a single season, not even a record, a single season title for, you know, just a little bit of a chance of somebody getting hurt. No, I think they got to protect their guys. And maybe it's a little bit of protecting them from themselves, but I do think that they need just to get as healthy as they possibly can. This team's been nicked up and it's been key hit players across the board. Basically, you could argue almost all their key players have had some level of injury uh, this season, uh, save for a couple of defensive backs to this point. The real K swag. Are there any players you would add or subtract from this list of guys that should rest for week 17? Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Fisher, Mike Remmers, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew. I think you nailed them. I think and actually me and Craig were kind of talking about that earlier today. That is literally the list we came up with, including Remmers. I think you just got to be real mindful of all these guys. The Chiefs are on their second tackle, their, their backup tackle. They've had to play their backup backup tackle. I mean, they've... 
they need to keep all these guys as healthy as they can. Maybe even Ryder. Maybe you let Kilgore play. You know, yeah. I think I think in any situation, like Ryder's probably one of those guys that you keep active just in case, but you let Daniel Kilgore start. And you keep Andrew Wiley active, but you don't play him if you don't have to. I mean, it's just every many guys you don't have to play, you do that. So maybe Wisniewski's getting some run this week. You know, uh, I think that's the approach that you've got to take. Clearing waivers. What single player benefits the most from the first round bye? I love the question. Yeah, uh, Tyreek Hill. That hamstring's been bothering him. We've seen him on the sidelines getting it taken care of, you know, drinking his pickle juice out of his little, you know, miniature bottles that everybody thought was booze for some reason. I think that that hamstring has been bothering him a lot more than they're even letting on. He seems a little more gun shy with some of the breaks that he's taking. He's still, you know, dynamic. He's still fast. He's still the player that he is. It just seems like there's some instances where he doesn't look quite to the extent that he was before. Give him some rest. You know, he's out there. He's toughing through it. That's terrific. Give him some rest. Get that guy back to as close to 100% as possible. He is dynamic. He's an engine that makes his team go. Get him healthy. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. And I know that kind of sounds a little bit weird. Um, but watching that game this week, man, I you know the bat game with the New Orleans Saints? They got some real big hits on him. And I think I, I, I think he was feeling it a little bit. I'm not sure I'm not trying to say that I thought think he was injured. I just think he was affected in some capacity uh during that football game. And I am not this is not a critique. I'm not blaming him one bit because the man got the got beat up real bad against New Orleans. They're on the precipice of making the playoffs. If he's if he's held, if he's if there's any kind of nicks or anything, or if the, you know if his ribs got hurt from that you know getting hit from both sides, you know if if he just needs a little bit of time to reset, maybe the offensive line gets healthy, he feels a little bit more confidence. I think this is just good for him. This is a good opportunity for him the next few weeks to get you know prepped, ready to go, ready to roll, uh, because I mean. This has been and that that was a this has been a brutal stretch to the end of the season and this has been a brutal season in general. This has been a tough schedule for Patrick Mahomes. Give him the time and give him the rest and let him get ready to run. And I just want to add this on BJ, our buddy BJ Kissel said it on his podcast. For the next three weeks, all Patrick Mahomes is going to hear is how bad he was in that last game. If anybody. Uh-oh. If you are going to put that chip on anybody's shoulder, you want it to be Patrick LeVon Mahomes' shoulder because he's going to come out guns a-blazing. He wants to eliminate that Falcons game, and now he has to marinate on it for you know three weeks. It's going to be whew, it's going to be some scorched earth coming. I was thinking about this earlier today. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers gets the MVP mm. and the Chiefs and the Packers meet in the Super Bowl. Imagine Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Scorched earth. Scorched earth. Oh, I really, I mean, I kind of want that to happen. (laughs) I kind of want that to happen. Stags, our guy. Uh, Would you rather have Mahomes win the MVP or Travis Kelsey win the Offensive Player of the Year? Well, with that being said, it's very clearly Kelsey Offensive Player of the Year. 
I mean, even besides all of that, Patrick Mahomes is going to win more of these. We know it. He's in the conversation literally every single year. He's just going to win more of these. Travis Kelsey isn't going to have another shot at this. And Travis Kelsey is the most important non-Mahomes player on this team. Now, I can understand how some people might look and say, okay, Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. Patrick Mahomes is Offensive Player of the Year. That happens a lot in the NFL. I want to give the hat tip to Travis Kelsey. Like He broke the tight end record in 15 weeks. He has been the most consistent performer on this offense. He just shows up. He gets better every single year at a position that is just growing and changing every single year. I uh, give it to give it to Kelsey. I want Kelsey to win that. Uh it's Kelsey offensive player of the year for me as well. Uh and here is some hashtag Matalytics for you. I guess it's hashtag Kentalytics for you. Uh I did some real, real deep research on this. This is Patrick Mahomes' third year as a starting quarterback. In years in which Patrick LeVon Mahomes does not win the league MVP, he wins the Super Bowl MVP. I think we're rooting for the Kelsey Offensive Player of the Year and for Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP because Patrick LeVon Mahomes will then in turn, statistically, factually, 100% win the Super Bowl MVP. What if Travis Kelsey doesn't win the Offensive Player of the Year and Patrick Mahomes doesn't win the MVP. What then? My goodness. You don't want to face those two in the playoffs Uh-oh. with something to, that, with something that's, to prove. That's, that's terrifying. <laughs> Seadrift24. Reports are out that Eric Bieniemy is not as hot of a name as we all thought. Do you guys think teams are not looking at him serious because of the new rule given comp picks to the team a minority coach is hired away from the compensatory picks i do not believe have anything to do with eric bienemy's candidacy that because the the team that you know that team that picks him up is not going to be penalized for taking him it's just that the chiefs would be rewarded I don't think that there is any team that's saying I'm not going to hire Eric Bieniemy from a winning. I'm not going to hire this guy from a winning organization because we're going to give them two extra third round picks. There are. I'm going to try to say this delicately because we need. I mean, we we yeah. tiptoe around it. Sure. There are things, and you can. It's all public record. You can, there is all kinds of research on the history. Of Eric Bieniemy, there are some off-field things that he will have to account for, that will be magnified wherever he's hired, uh, and the team that that hires Eric Bieniemy is going to have to explain when they put him in charge of an NFL organization. That's just kind of the nature of it. There, that is the probably the biggest question mark, I would think, based on you know what you're seeing and all these questions. There's there's questions that he's got to account for, and they if he like if he went to the Jets, you will get the second he's hired, before the press conference even happens, mm. there will be articles all over the New York newspapers. He'll be asked about it in the press conference, and like these are the things that people have to think about, uh, and that NFL organizations have to think about whether or not he you know it's are you going to give him an opportunity to show his growth as a human being over the last twenty. 25 years a lot of those things that kent's referring to are from a decade or two ago 
Um, The NFL has definitely allowed players and coaches of with similar things in the background back into the league. They've given them positions of power. I do think that there is something to be said for some of those things that are out there. I I do think that there are several GMs and several owners that may completely shy away from it because of that. I also think that Eric Bieniemy is a leader of men. Andy Reid talks about it all the time that he is the guy that motivates these guys. You know, there's lots of conversations about who's actually calling the plays. We know Andy is. It is what it is. But Eric Bieniemy brings a lot to the table. He motivates guys. He's he's a guy that people want to play for. Similar to Brian Flores in Miami. Guys want to play for Flo. They get up for playing for Flo because he cares. He motivates them and he makes them into better players by just simply being him. Eric Bieniemy is one of those guys as well. I don't think that there is a chance that Eric Bieniemy gets out of this offseason without getting a head coaching job. Now, do I think that maybe the Denver Broncos if Vic Fangio was fired, which it doesn't look like he's going to be, do you do I think that they would maybe look the other way because they don't want to help a division rival with two third round picks? It might cross their mind. But if they legitimately believe that he's the guy, it's well worth giving a division rival an extra pick in consecutive years if you think that that guy is going to turn around your organization and move you and take the next step forward. So no, I don't think that the picks are the problem here. I just think that there's a little bit of skepticism about some of the history with him in certain environments. Like Kent said, New York is a prime environment for that because it will not go away. They're not going to leave that alone. But look at what look at all the love and admiration that the some of the best players in the world have for Eric Bieniemy. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, look how much how much um, respect he's garnered from literally some of the best players in the world at their positions. I mean, there's a very obvious ability to lead that he possesses. He's just got to find the right fit, and a, you know, there's a, there's some, you know, there's some realities to that situation that don't get talked about a lot. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good. 
Gooop asks, we've said that a couple of uh, the last games have been Mahomes' worst. It seems like he hasn't been on the same page and has missed plenty of easy throws. Is there any cause for concern? Kind of like what I was saying earlier. I think this week Mahomes might have been maybe protecting himself a little bit or feeling the pressure because I do think he was reacting a little bit differently to pressure uh, this week. This game was just a little bit different, I thought, for him. And I, I'm not saying he's, you know, he this isn't Carson Wentz and he's just broken or anything like that, but I do think he was just responding differently to pressure. He was falling off of some throws and trying to fall away from some of the hits that he was taking. It's not what you're used to with him. So what changed? Well, he got the crap kicked out of him by the New Orleans Saints, and some of those shots were brutal. I mean, the, the shot between two guys just hitting him, I just... Oof. That was rough. I mean, that was that was painful to watch, and it looked like it, it affected him, frankly, um, physically. So, is there a little bit of a, a response there? Are they, you know, is he kind of feeling things a little bit? Did the Chiefs want him to protect himself? Did the Chiefs go and say, "Hey, look, uh, we want you to kind of maybe just be a little bit mindful." Uh, protect yourself in some situations that, you know, try to avoid some of the major hits. We're so close to the Super Bowl or, you know, defending our ring. We just want you to, you know, be ready to go. I don't know. I don't know if it's a long-term thing either, but I think these next couple of weeks are going to be really good for him to reset, get a hundred percent healthy, be ready to go. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, everything's just kind of running on all cylinders when it, when, it, when the time matters the most. T E R O three. Does Darius Harris get more snaps? Now, I liked what I saw when we when he got thrown into the fire last game. Plus, what a game from Willie Gay. Do the Chiefs finally give him more snaps too? First of all, Darius Harris, like we said in the postgame show, an, an admirable job. Like He probably hadn't gotten any reps at the Mike linebacker position because he was slated to play Sam and we know how the practice rules and everything work. He didn't get he hadn't had any live reps in the NFL period at the Mike linebacker position. So that's not something that's easy to walk into and call the plays. So hat tip to him. Willie Gay had some splash plays. We got to see a couple tackles for loss. We got to see him moving well out there like everybody wanted. But the linebacker play was poor, guys. It really was. Um, uh, it was disorganized, understandably so. I'm not blaming anybody for that. Like In that position, that's what happens. Darius Harris isn't a super athlete. I think you saw him on that wheel route up the seam from Ger or up the sideline from Gurley early on. For very first play of the game, they went right at him. And you got to see that he lacks some of that athleticism. He definitely was put into a position where you can make a little more plays in the middle of the field and fill some gaps. That was good. Willie Gay Jr., if you're watching the game, watching every single play, he gave up three completions in the first half, four first downs, including the one that Ben Neiman got hurt on when Ben Neiman was trying to cover for Willie Gay. Now, I know that very few Chiefs fans are giant Ben Neiman guys, but that was a play that Ben Neiman was trying to help cover for a mistake that Willie Gay had made. He is just growing as a player. Like he hasn't had an off season. He is a rookie. He is still learning the game after not playing very many snaps at Mississippi state. It is understandable to see play like this. 
but it is the reason why he's not on the field yet. Our guy, Charles Goldman, actually said this game is the reason why Willie Gay isn't seeing the field and the reason why Willie Gay needs to see the field. It's simultaneously true. He needs more reps so that he can grow as a player, but at the same time, this team is 14-1, and and the defense is a large part of that. Steve Spagnuolo is out here trying to make sure that they keep the lead, that they keep the one seed, and so he's choosing some guys that know what they're doing a little bit better, and that's why they're seeing the field over him. Week 17 is arguably the the most important game of Willie Gay's career so far because he can maybe take that extra step in his professional development. This is a big week. I'm really excited to see Willie Gay out there. Kyle K, you have a time machine. You travel in the future where Legereus Sneed is considered a blue chip player. What year did you go to? This year. I went there. Jerry Sneed is a blue chip player for this defense. He is a top five player for this defense. I don't want to hear any argument about it. He really is. He shows up. He plays at a ridiculously high level. He has played on the boundary. He has played inside. He frees up other guys to do things that make them better players. He is a key ingredient in this defensive success and why they've been able to play at a high level early in games. I know we Talked about the dime defense late, but early in games, he is a key ingredient. He just routinely makes impact plays. He's already one of the blue chip players for this defense, and he's in year one as a fourth round pick. Just an absolute steal of a player. So, Craig, okay, so maybe our definitions of a blue chip player are different, but I'm going to ask, are you putting Legereus Sneed in the Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew bucket? He's in the bucket below that. Okay, so like here's my def like my definition of a blue chip player are those three. Okay, top five, top ten ish at their positions. You still there? No, no, I'm not there okay. yet. Not I yet. Think, I think it's next year. Yeah, it might <laughs> be next year. As I was I getting think- ready to say, I think it might be next year that he's there. But yeah, my definition of a blue chip, you're not going too far in the future. I think you're going to 2021. And honestly, I would be very fascinated to see what Legereus Sneed without an injury looks like right now. He's a rookie in a COVID offseason where he didn't get any live reps before week one. Like, we talk about, you know, metering expectations for Willie Gay Jr. We got to set those same bars for Legereus Sneed. He is exceeding what he should be based on the offseason that, that that was thrown at these guys right now. He is their best boundary and nickel corner. Yes. I mean, like, legitimately. He's good at everything back there. Such a good football player. Uh, Edward Radulescu, why is it, and why does it have to be such a mystery with Schwartz injury? We kind of talked about it a little bit. I think, you know, it's just... It, Offensive line is such an un- unassuming position. The Chiefs have been winning without him. Uh, and no one's really like, oh, well, whenever Sh-, you know, it's it's almost it's almost just kind of just been this afterthought, like he will return. When will Schwartz be back? We're winning. We're, we're winning despite of it. Mahomes is winning despite, you know, it always just kind of felt like that safety blanket was always coming back. And part of it is like with Mitchell Schwartz, the strength of Mitchell Schwartz is that you never hear his name. 
because he's so good and he's so dominant over there. No one's ever really complimenting Mitchell Schwartz's performance because he's just so consistently great. He's just an unassuming player, even though he's been elite historically. I think it just it all has to do with that. Chief Boy RD, is this the most exciting game of the year for Chiefs film analysts? <laughs> we get to see what Martinez Rankin, Darwin Thompson, Colin Saunders, and these young corners have been up to all this time. Also, could you see Anthony Hitchens starting for a half? Might be good for the young guys. I don't think Anthony Hitchens is playing this week. I just don't. I I don't know what his COVID situation is, but even if he wasn't, I, I don't think that he's a guy. It, I think he's too important to the defense. We see what happens without that Mike linebacker. So I just don't see Anthony Hitchens playing, even if he is eligible to be off the COVID reserve list. But yeah, no, this is exciting. Chiefs have the one seed wrapped up and we get to see the young guys play. You get to get Willie Gay more reps so he gets more comfortable in those roles. You get to get Bo Peet Keys, the guy that the Chiefs traded back into the draft. You get him some extra reps and get to see what he's been doing, the player that they expect him to be. This season has been so weird. There's been so many weird things about it. And number one at the top of the list was not getting a lot of these guys that they've identified as potential players some actual reps in these games it's great to see it i'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys and i'm really looking forward to kind of watching it without you know doing my normal charting doing the normal things that i typically do to try and you know keep track of what the starters are doing i just want to sit back and be able to enjoy and take in and see where a lot of these guys are in their development imagine your mvp needing week 17 to clinch the one seed oh man can't be me could not relate even in the slightest uh this, i mean week 17 can be a really big jumping off point for 2021 i really want to see what deandre baker and Bo P. keys are up to we'll get there though we got more to talk about with all those guys jackie jared 428 who will be the biggest surprise x factor in the playoffs for the chiefs uh it's a coming out party for our guy Legarius sneed i'm just telling you Look, the only thing that has kept Legarius Sneed down is injuries, is a shoulder or a collarbone or whatever it was. Even on that play, my man was coming up with a near interception. He makes a legitimate play on the football every single week, and now he's an elite pass rusher getting more sack production than some of these other guys out here. Jamal Adams, who? Give me Legarius Sneed, who can actually cover, unlike Jamal Adams. <laughs> Breakout star. No, this is his chance to show the world what's up in the playoffs. Mm. And everybody be like, oh, wow. Are you saying maybe Super Bowl MVP Lecherius need here? Is no, that what you're trying to no. apply? What have we talked about? Analytics. The analytics are verified. It's factual that Patrick Mahomes will win the Super Bowl MVP if he does not win the league MVP. It's true. Matalytics. My guy. I'm going to Marcus Robinson. I am going with the Chiefs' third receiver, and I know there's a bunch of people that are turning their nose up right now. There's a bunch of people that remember the drops. We're talking X-Factor. We're talking about a guy when teams are trying to double-team Tyree Kill and double-team Travis Kelsey because we don't know what's happening with Sammy Watkins if we're getting full playoff Sammy. Demarcus Robinson might be the guy that sees the third or fourth corner 
or a safety in coverage that just gets to run a little bit more. We've seen him. He made a play at the end of the Falcons game. That was a good route. It was a good catch. It was a nice touchdown. I think maybe we see some more of those. I think we see some of those in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes and Demarcus Robinson definitely have a chemistry. He's not afraid to target him. It's just sometimes Demarcus Robinson's afraid to catch it. The problem is, if they don't have Sammy, he's going to be a guy that that Patrick Mahomes is going to look for a little bit more, and I think he could be a little bit of an X factor with the teams trying to take away everybody else. B Higgs 55. Can you break down the possible scenarios for chief comp picks before the upcoming draft? I'd love to. The chiefs are currently slated to get a fourth and fifth compensatory pick, uh, fourth and fifth round compensatory pick per, per over the cap. They do great work. They have more or less taken the, proprietary formula of the NFL and been able to replicate it. So they have it pretty down. Uh, they're going to get a fourth round pick for Kendall Fuller, a fifth round pick for Emmanuel Ogba. If Eric Bieniemy is hired away as we anticipate, they will, the Chiefs will receive third round compensatory picks in this year's draft and next year's draft. It will be after the picks uh, awarded for player contracts. So you're going to have a top 100. It's going to be like 102, 103, somewhere in that range for uh, Eric Bieniemy eventually signing on to become a head coach and then whatever it is next season. So that's the current compensatory outlook looking like three additional picks uh, and they're, they're, they're good picks in the top 150, 200. So it's, it's, it's really nice to have not a chiefs fan asks, how do you feel confidence wise about this year's team versus last year's at this point in the season? I feel better. And I, I don't know why people should feel worse. The defense is playing better. I think that they're playing more complete defense. Like last year, they were starting to come together. I think you've seen this year, the communication's been better. The entire defense has played just so much better together. I know you can talk about end of game scenarios, but when games are tight, they have stepped up routinely. I think that the offense is clicking. They have not had Sammy Watkins for large portions of this year. And guess what? They've missed him. Like, it hasn't slowed down Patrick Mahomes. It hasn't slowed them down in the same ways that it did last year. And Mahomes was not coming off of an injury. I just, this team is better than last year's team. They have played a lot more difficult opponents. They have played tough scenarios without key players. And they just keep winning. Like, they're battle-tested. And they're ready to go into the playoffs here. They're going to get healthy. I just don't see that there's any reason to think that this team isn't better than last year's squad. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go great. You know, there's a lot of good teams as well. But as long as Patrick Mahomes doesn't wear a Coors Light onesie before the playoff game, because, I mean, (laughs) I'm not... I'm not saying that that had anything to do with this performance, but I'm not not saying that. So I I think that this team sky's the limit and they're a better football team. The onesie curse. The onesie curse. I think uh, if I recall, I think this is more this is more Kentalytics. Last year's team was not coming off of a Super Bowl victory. This year's team, largely this team, hashtag run it back, we've seen make a Super Bowl run. I think they're better equipped. I think they're more confident. I think there's more talent, Legereus need uh, on this year's football team uh, than last, and hopefully they get Clyde Edwards Alaire back into the mix. Uh, but I, I think you got to go with hashtag championship swagger. 
All right. Let it fly, BJ. Our dear handsome pal. Favorite road trip snack. Go, Craig. Uh, let's see. How big of an RV are we getting, BJ? It's very important to this. That'll let me know how big of snacks I can get. Just pile up as much beef jerky, especially from from Bucky's if we're driving south from where I live on the way to Mobile. Just stop and grab as much beef jerky as possible for our entire drive down to Mobile, Alabama. I would pick all the Doritos. Like my favorite road trip snack is three bags of Doritos. But <laughs> out of like consideration for everybody else in the RV, I won't stink it up. I love a good trail mix with your peanuts and your M&Ms and your raisins. It's just an absolute delight. It's so good. You can also give me the Omega mix with the walnuts and the dried cranberries and the pumpkin seeds. Those are good too. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you have a great end of 2020. We'll talk to you in 2021. Last episode of 2020. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you later.